Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. What a fun night we had tonight. Yay, Chris Bailey, yay. Always love having Brother Chris on the show. Brother uh, Chris. Brother Chris. No, he's a, he's a, he is a brother of mine. Chris, Chris has been on the show a ton of times. He's yeah, old a, school, new school, the whole thing. Yeah, he's yeah. a local. And we normally have him in the studio with us, but we can't uh, do that right now. Can't do that so, right now. He's whatever. got a family. Super important. Um, so, yeah. But we can talk to Chris about anything and everything. Yeah. And so we just kind of went the whole spectrum of just talking about some good old-fashioned ghost hunting and paranormal topics yeah. and trends that Chris has seen, especially in light of the current national and, well, global situation. Well, Grimstone, Grimstone by far is my favorite Michigan yeah. ghost hunting group. I mean, I've always, you know, yeah. we met we met them the same time that you and I, I mean, I met Chris Bailey the same day yep. that you and I met him. Right? Yes, that was at the Paranormal Picnic. Pushing 15 years ago now. Yeah. Uh, Chris and I do actually go back to high school. Yeah, but you didn't we, know each other in high school, We didn't know did each you? other. We, we, we knew each other, but we didn't really like know each other. Like you recognized them? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and so Chris is great because, yeah, he has one of the longest-running ghost hunting groups. I need to be reminded when it happened. but Oh. <laughs> so actually, no, I probably didn't remind him thinking about that. Well, he's got one of the longest ghost hunting teams in Michigan, 24 years. 24 years. Um, he's a he's, lifer. He's Total never lifer. given up. He's never taken a step back. I mean, maybe they've like taken a lighter caseload one year or something, but he's never been like... They've always they've always been out there doing the work. Yeah, they've never yeah. taken a big hiatus like we did. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. They've, they've just always been out there doing their thing. No, and that's and why I, and I, I my respect that. for those guys is just, it, no, for Chris I, especially, I appreciate so that. People that have just stuck with it and they, they've learned from all these decades of doing this stuff and... Uh, it's interesting to talk to people that have a lot of insight because they've just been there for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's, so it's always fun to talk to. Chris is just a riot. Love yeah. The dude he's and, a chill, uh, mellow dude, and we love him. So I was really happy to have Chris here on the show tonight. Guys, enjoy our conversation with the mighty Chris Bailey. Okay, we have Chris Bailey here with us tonight of Grimstone Incorporated. Incorporated, Incorporated. <laughs> right? Yeah. The crowd goes wild for Michigan's oldest paranormal team. Yeah, you guys. Tonight. I, are you guys? The, I mean, I think you guys I'm are the oldest team. Pretty that, close to it, if not the oldest. Right, Chris? Uh, I don't know if we're the last group standing or what, but uh, this year is 24 years. Uh, yeah, you have to be pretty much last group standing. There might be a handful of people from other groups that are still independently doing stuff, but I think a lot of the the groups from the the early O's that sprung up, I think that they've all sort of disbanded or they're not active anymore. Um, when when you guys twenty four years, so I know we have a top we have a list of topics we want to go through tonight, which I'm super fascinated by. But one of the things I, I find interesting because we've had a handful of people on the show lately who have been doing and st- sticking with paranormal investigation for decades. Uh, yeah, we've had, yeah, we've had a lot of people. We've yeah, talked we've to. had some repeat <clears throat> guests on from like the old days of Ghostly Talk. We've been doing a lot of that. Yeah, and one of the questions I like to ask is, how have things changed for you as a paranormal investigator from day one to now? I, how your beliefs, maybe equipment, things that you used to do that you just kind of go, I can't believe I used to do that. What was I thinking? Like, just how have things changed uh, over the, these past twenty four years? Well, that's a very good question. <laughs> As well. I've been sitting here gumming my food, pondering this recently. <laughs> uh, there is so many things that have changed, but there's a lot of things that have stayed the same too. Um, ironically enough, just just this past year, we came across one of uh, our our old equipment uh, cases, which was like a a hard case, briefcase, luggage type thing, and it had a Polaroid camera in it, uh, a flashlight, a micro cassette recorder, you know, and, you know, a bunch of spare batteries that I'm sure are are still pristine. (laughs) Um, You know, and 
and yeah, there's there's new shinier things now. The, the cameras are definitely gotten better. The uh, you know the the audio equipment's improved. We have this whole thing called digital audio now. That's crazy, right? Um, you know, but a, a lot of our habits though uh, in the field as a whole really hasn't changed that much. We've tried to evolve in things, but uh, it, it's a constant battle uphill. I mean. Most of the groups out there, um, most of the practices that are been going on, you know, we, we don't even follow the scientific method yet. So we're, we're working on things. <laughs> well, you no, know, that's an, and that's something that comes up a lot. I mean, you and I have had those conversations many times, uh, Chris, and it's one of the th- it's one of my gripes, but it's one of my great one of my one of my big gripes, but one of my great hopes uh, within this field is one. A lot of people will. Throw that term out, the scientific method. They love to throw it out and throw it out there. I don't know why, but they do. And a lot of people, I and I, well, I never really have been nice about this stuff. They don't really, a lot of them, I don't think they really have an idea of what the scientific method really is, like what pieces make it make up the scientific method. Um, on that same token, um, it's my great hope because I, you know, Maybe people who may not know so much about it right now, but it's something that they're interested in. They're going to run with that baton, and maybe they may be the ones who come up with something. You know, within that application, you follow what I'm saying? Um, that's just kind of how I see that on both sides. I know you guys have always adhered to that, but at this, well, I mean, I wouldn't say always, but we try to do. The, the best that we can yeah and you know we we look at uh ghost hunting in a very different kind of way we look at it almost like a social science yeah more so yeah. than you know just running around and and snapping pictures yeah you know we're we're studying people that have simply passed on possibly possibly yeah because who knows uh, go ahead you know i i like like it's mentioned this is 24 years to be honest I don't even know if the, you know, half the things that we've investigated, it really came from a living person at some point um, for those, you know, genuine weirdness that's out there in the world. Um, you know, we've encountered many things that have definitely been living people. We've seen hoaxes and, you know, other issues that have popped up over the years. Uh, but the, the weird stuff, you know, I'd like to say it was, you know, that person's grandmother, but... We don't really have evidence to support it one way or the other, other than it's definitely not normal. Right. I've been saying this a lot lately about the greater field as a whole, especially the study of people who have theoretically trans, you know, uh, transitioned. Right. If that's what you, we believe, what's, what that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to prove. Um, I've been saying this a lot. I've been saying that. This is the only field I know of that you could have decades of experience in there. And really, when you come, you get to the end of that, you may, you probably don't know any more than a person who's just coming into the field. I mean, you're going to have a lot more experience, right? You're going to have seen a lot more things. But as far as answers are concerned, none of us have any of them. And I keep, I, I don't know why, but it's something I've been saying, we've been talking about a lot on the show lately. And I've been talking about with people outside of the show too. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Um, I agree, but you know what we do see though are things like trends, you know, and yeah. and some some of them are legitimate, especially if you start looking at things statistically, and and some of them aren't, and you know, um, there's many different little buzzwords and things that we often take for granted out in the in the community, and and some have a some weight and some don't. You know, I, I think if, if you turn on a, a ghost hunting show or read a, a paranormal book or, or two, you start seeing things like, you know, certain mineral deposits in the ground can lead to residual hauntings. Yeah. Um, you know, water attracts spirits. It's haunted because it's on an Indian burial ground. Um, but, you know, as much as meat potatoes they give there, there's they don't give much to back it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been looking basically trying to find statistical evidence behind uh, trying to collect as much data as possible, uh, utilize things like data loggers, um, review a lot of case history and look for common trends and, and, and so forth. And 
you know, at least on those three items, what we found is that's a lot of bunkus. <laughs> um, well, you know, they, they sound good and they yeah. sound plausible. So they make great for a good story for a book or a television show. But the data doesn't support that. Um, you know, we, we gathered a bunch uh, about five years ago, a whole bunch of U.S. Uh, geological survey maps. We got maps of Indian reservations, topography maps. All these, uh, you know, utilizing like Google Earth and so forth and started plotting every single case report and trend possible. And it, it really only lined up to two things. Uh, one, uh, there was higher number of cases where the water zones intersected. And two, there was a higher number of cases where there was higher population densities. Which would make which, sense. Which, ironically enough, is where the water zones typically intersect. Okay. Oh, imagine right. that. Yes. So yeah. more people have more ghost stories. Well, you know, and the one thing I, I, if there's one thing I took from my education growing up was the difference between data and information. They're two different things, right? Yep. A lot of people throw those terms around also, like just like they don't, like, well, like they don't know what they really mean. And what I try to tell people, and you, you cut right into that with statistics, right? Um, Data is nothing but the numbers that make up, you know, those people, you know, that make up information, right? And statistics, that is information right there. I think a lot of people, they'll, and this is one thing, I mean, I've said this a lot on this show too. Uh, I wish I was able to spend a lot of time in one place and spend time there and, and gather data and pile up data and pile up data and then turn that into statistics, yeah, statistics which is true information. Right. Um, I think a lot of people will go to go to, and I've done the same thing. I'll go to a place one time, take some pictures, get some audio and Hey, every once in a while, something anomalous comes up. And I mean that every once in a while, <laughs> very, sp very sparingly. Um, and that really, while it's interesting and it's cool, uh, it's something to listen to or look at. It isn't information. It's not statistics. It's not something that you can use as opposed to something where you guys are actually taking a lot of data, putting it together and turning that into information. I think that's where you start to get some answers, right? And that's well, what, that, that's, that's what we're hoping. Yeah. And well, and that's where seasoned people, when you have, when you, that's where, and you're right. That's something that when you do come out the other end, where you, after a couple of decades of doing this, when you, you've put that time in to do those things. So that's something you're going to have over somebody going back to my, my previous comment, that's something that you're going to have over someone who's just coming in. You're going to have that foresight and have done that research if that's what you do, what you, you guys have done. So there are some things I think that experience has. But I think as far as answers, though, that's the thing I'm saying here. Um, people don't – I mean, it, it's just the same – we're still trying to figure things out, I guess. It's, it's, it's that weird of a field, I guess. You follow? Yep. And we've been trying to fill, you know figure things out longer than decades, you know, for hundreds of years. Yeah. So – Possibly thousands. Yeah. And I don't know if we're closer, you know. We're farther <laughs> away. the first, uh, you know, ghost, written ghost story uh, to now. Mm -hmm. I, I, Chris, do you follow any of the current psi research going on? Like, are you familiar with Dean Radin or what they do at uh, IONS Institute of Noetic Sciences by uh, the, the place started by Edgar Mitchell? No, I, I, unfortunately, I haven't followed them at all. Um, I won't even claim to know what they're doing. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I have followed Psy research from in the past. Uh, we've done some Psy experiments um, within our organization uh, and had some really unusual results. Um, you know, I've had I've had the pleasure of visiting things like the Rhine Institute. Okay. Uh, quite some time ago. Cool. Back when you know that was the cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's I, I just find it interesting because I've been following I've been reading Dean Radin's books and uh, kind of doing some uh, ions the Institute they've been doing a lot of online uh, not workshops but just lectures and stuff like that but it's interesting to look at sci research and see because it's data driven so they just do test after test after test and then they start getting these numbers showing that sometimes there is something a little bit beyond just chance. Um, and especially with like, of course, remote viewing, which I think we all we all know in this room that remote viewing is the number one thing that's been studied, like even by the government. Yeah, they put that, a lot of time yes. with that. Yeah. People can do remote viewing like it's yeah. a thing. You really can't argue that one. Uh, 
So I think I find that that's an interesting part of paranormal research that maybe the average ghost hunting group out there, they're not going to start dabbling in psi research and statistics, but it just shows that there is something anomalous out there, even with our own minds and consciousness. And I think it was just on one of our shows that will be coming up, um, we were talking about the importance of consciousness within the paranormal. Oh, yeah, and yeah, when we yeah. were just earlier saying that, it's just like Chris, you were saying, I don't even know if I'm talking to a dead person, but it's something weird going on. And it, and I think that's what gets me frustrated about this thing. It's not frustrated. It actually gets me excited because there's just so many ways to go, so many different paths to go down and explore. And like right now I'm on this consciousness trip. So I'm trying to read all about consciousness and how like that I'll just, I don't know, just yeah, people uh, like uh, – Oh, what was the guy? I'm not going to remember because I didn't take notes on this. There was a scientist out there, a professor somewhere who does, it was like neurotheology, something like that, right? Sounds trippy, right? But yeah, he studies, he studies like essentially like people having experiences where maybe they think they're communicating with God or, or being touched by God or a yeah. miracle or something. And they actually hook them up while they either go into a meditative prayer state or are having some type of moment and look at what happens in the body. So is is God coming from within the body or is it coming from without? Which of course a lot of the religious institutions, out, yeah, yeah, would wanna, in. yeah. Are you downloading something from somewhere? I don't know. But then they do see that there's these changes that happen in, in different parts of the brain, and it's just to me that's super fascinating. And that's the like really I don't even want to call it dorky, but the average like I said, ghost hunters really. I think you got to be in it for a few years before you start going down some of those more uh, <laughs> weird rabbit holes like that because you just uh, there's only so many pictures you can take and and recordings you can listen to before you're like okay I got to go deeper or just I quit. need to know yeah. I need to know more yeah. like I got to keep going. Yep. No, it's uh, some of that sounds like uh, Doctor um, Michael Persinger's yes, uh, God helmet research. Yeah, with, with the God helmet yep. uh, down in Laurentine uh, University. Yeah. Yeah. And his stuff is is fascinating just with how people experience these God moments and then putting science to it. Let's hook you up to this God helmet. It's really cool. There's some good YouTube videos of Michael Persinger out there and some awesome lectures that are, if anyone's curious, just Google his name on YouTube. Well, and that's one thing that um, we were going to chat about here tonight too, Chris, is, you know, we talked, I, I mentioned data and I mentioned information already, but there is this idea of belief versus data, right? Yes. And I... I I saw this when it was listed and I thought that was a, I, I, I don't know where, I mean, I know where to begin with that, but I'm curious, I mean, just to get us rolling on this, uh, what is your interpretation of belief versus data when it comes to the paranormal? I mean, a nutshell, and I want to go from there. Wow. Um, I know. That's, that's a big one. Great that's a big question. One. Well, as I said, can go on in yeah. many different ways. That's why I said so, nutshell, nutshell, nutshell. Um, in the nutshell, it's oil and water often. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so many people who contact us for paranormal situations, so many people going into paranormal research or investigation or just general ghost hunting all have this belief system, um, you know, what things are, how things should operate. And when things get wacky uh, or a little weird, um, they have beliefs about behind that too. And... Sometimes the data doesn't support the beliefs. Yeah. And that can make things very challenging. Uh, you know, I know when uh, I think a lot of us, when we came into this field, started studying it, we came interested in it. We came into it, came into it with beliefs. I know I did. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I had goals. I've talked about it recently here on this show too. I've had goals and, and, you know, you, I think, you know, as we were talking about just, you know, being in this field for a while and being exposed to things, you, you recalibrate yourself, I think. I mean, anybody who's smart is going to recalibrate themselves uh, and grow and learn. Um, but I, you know, like, for example, I know there's, you guys have probably worked with people where they have a home and you get, and they call you and say, hey, you know, we think we might have something here. Uh, can you come check it out? And I, I know I've worked with people like this in the past where we got there and they were really interested. They were genuinely really interested in, you know, what was going on and they they wanted to learn along with you guys, the person who owned the home. Uh, but at the same time, I think within that, under the belly of that, there is this belief. And I know I've personally been through this where 
we've been to a place and, you know, I mean, again, I mean, we, we only go there maybe one or two nights. We can't really spend a whole lot of time there. And maybe just nothing. Hey, we recorded stuff. We didn't really pick anything up or didn't see anything. And I've had people kind of get bummed out. Like, what do you mean? There's, there's got to be a ghost here. I know there's a ghost here. You know, and it's like, well, I mean, just a little bit of sampling we did here doesn't doesn't show that. The data we have doesn't show that. Have you ever had anybody as far as this belief idea? And that clouds. I mean, I think that does cloud your better judgment when it comes to data. Correct. Uh, it, it certainly can, and y you make a great example. And we had one of our own very early on uh, when we started. We uh, got invited to um, General Custer's family home. Wow! Um, yeah, it was pretty neat. That's cool. And the person who owned it currently at the time um, kept it all historic with you know. It, as much museum quality pieces and things throughout it. And they really felt that the, the home was haunted. Um, and one of the symptoms that was, you know, described was that the, uh, the wife often felt like she was going to be pushed down these stairs um, as she's coming down, uh, down them. Well, we started looking and investigating the stairway, especially, and we used some non-conventional ghost hunting equipment to, to do this. Uh, the first being a level and oh. uh, the stairs were all skewed. They are all tilted forward because of, you know, the house had been settling for so long. Um, the, the house also had old cloth wiring that was going through that stairway five to six times back and forth. I don't know how they originally tried to wire them, but they were all live wires. They were all completely not shielded. Uh, and they were giving off EMF equivalent to some of the power line, the, the massive power lines that you see out, you know, outside that, you know, are fenced off. <laughs> really? Yes. And we explained to them that probably some of the sensations could be coming from, you know, the, the stairs being improperly leveled and, you know, this high amount of EMF that some people have developed sensitivities to and that they should consult an electrician. Um, and a carpenter. Um, and I don't believe that was the answer that they were looking for. <laughs> of course it wasn't, Chris. You just cost them $5,000, man. Well, well that's, that's... I didn't cost them anything other than giving them you know, some, no. some information about their stairway that yeah. was already that way. No, I know. I agree. But that, I think that's probably, you're assuming they, they want to open up a bed and breakfast there or something. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Rather have just received the information that yes, general custard's still living in the home yeah. and doesn't like the wife. Right. No, as opposed to, Hey, you're going to have to get your stairs fixed and you need to get this wiring replaced. That's what I mean. They're like, Oh God, now we got to spend yep. all this money to get stuff fixed. Great. That's so true though, because our stairs here, we have an unusually tall, first step it's a higher pitch. and every time i step. step on that i just have this like feeling like i'm gonna trip so i'm always careful and there's that height difference but i then i, I won't lie that i always wondered if people like if someone maybe fell down the stair stairs and i was like picking up on their residual energy but then i'm like no these stairs are janky and they're uneven and they're older and Th thanks yeah just yeah we just live in a piece of crap <clears throat> no house we here. don't we don't but just that, i thought that was interesting that that was one of the things chris you know pulls out is a root you know a level anything else you want to anything else i need no. to fix before the show is over with tonight no uh <laughs> but this also makes me think of an article that i just recently read in the new york times where there have been an unusual or an increased amount of paranormal activity i guess being reported by people and one of the reasons well, right now yeah one of the reasons <clears throat> they're speculating this is because everyone's stuck at home so they're hearing every little sound they're hearing the house creak and groan at times that they normally aren't here that it's just so people are then right away jumping to the conclusion that it's paranormal which is typical of a lot of people out there but well i uh, thought that was an interesting little uh bit of data to to kind of come out yeah but i well no, it is a, a, go a good little snippet yeah but they, I think that I think this idea, going back to that for a second here, this idea of belief versus data, it's it's a massive subject. I agree, and I think 
simply it does cloud a lot of people's better judgment about things. I think some people have that romantic idea, and we've, we all talk about this often in this field. A lot of people have that romantic or cute idea that they got Casper the Friendly Ghost in their house, and they want somebody to verify that for them. And it's a, it's a fun thing for them. They think it's, it's, it's cutie and funny and stuff like that, and they want to believe. It's as simple as that. They want to believe. And I think that's great because I want to believe too. But I guess that comes from that seasoning thing we were talking about too. Like we've done this a few times, so we know better than just to believe everything we see, right? So, yeah, those are those things I think that, yeah, it, it can cloud people a little bit. But, you know, that's an interesting thing going into that though, Amber, with, I mean, with the elephant in the room, I guess, here. Um, now we're, how we're, we were literally we're literally two months into this thing. I mean, I keep I've said this before. March thirteenth was the day all hell broke loose. That, that's the day that literally everything just started shutting down. That's the day that they 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 told us to stay home because I know we talked a little bit before before the show here, Chris, and you said that you're working you're working remotely right now. Am I correct? Uh, partially. Par- oh yeah, partially. Okay, I'm working remotely myself. We're I think we're kind of the lucky ones here. Uh, but this has been a solid over two months now, and you know I guess the question would be, and it's something that I want to talk about. Like, well, I mean, Amber already mentioned this, which is a it's an interesting idea. Um, people are at home a lot more right now, and let's not pretend that they're not bored. <laughs> right <laughs> really bored so you're you know maybe watching a lot of paranormal tv <laughs> maybe having and you know what let's just say it okay i mean maybe they're having a couple of drinks i mean sure. and, i mean I mean, i'm not saying that's going to make it that's makes them bad just you know you you start to perceive things a little different when you've had a couple of couple of heineken's in you right um so i guess you said now you're saying amber that there's been a lot more reports of paranormal activity where and where did this come from in new york you said new york times new york times what do they say? You have the article? No. <laughs> well, that's some freaking bang up journalism just, right there, Amber. Good job. I just thought of it. I'm sorry, but you know our our fellow Michi- Michigander John Tenney was quoted in it, oh, and right. he was the one that also said that he's gotten a lot of emails and more messages recently with people claiming that they're seeing stuff, and um, and so he's seen an increase in his own inbox, and and he kind of was the one to offer a little logic and insight to just this. Yeah this data coming in uh just saying you know we're all home we're all sitting here we're all hearing things and, yeah and not to say not that well, i don't like I to write people off and say that you couldn't something anomalous could be going on in your home it's not just because you're home and bored um yeah or you're or well i was gonna say too like and chris i, I wouldn't mind if you weigh in on this too um stress sure I mean, a lot of people you know a lot of people are unemployed right now I mean, and they're fighting to get back to work and all these things. But this is a very stressful time for some people. Some people got it rather easy and some people have it very hard. And I understand that. And I wonder if stress, we know what stress does to the body. We know what stress does to the mind. I wonder if this could cause some weird manifestations also. I mean, what do you think about that, Chris? Well, it's certainly a possibility. When we talk about things like poltergeists, it's often you know related to somebody, you know, internalizing something too much and it's leaking out into the real world yeah you know i wonder you know we talk about belief and data don't mix well but sometimes i also wonder you know can belief create data if so many people you know we have all these public haunted places now you know that we really didn't have when when grimstone started and you know people go there and they have activity after activity after activity at times uh, and personal experiences. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, if some of these places didn't simply become active or more active simply because it became the urban legend. It became that story that, you know, this place is haunted and everyone started believing it's haunted. Yeah. And that belief started to manifest. You well, know, it's that stress or thought yeah. process. Um, yeah. If you're talking about Tibetan monks, it's the tulpa. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, are are we creating that that blip in our reality? Are they front loading a story in someone's head? I only say this because we've done this before. <laughs> are I mean, and you're right. There's a lot of these public haunts, these public places now that people go to, and they have these experiences that 
Yeah, 20 years ago, Chris, I had no idea about these places, and we're, we're all locals, right? Yep. Um, are we – I mean, is it just as simple as – and this is no less interesting with this stuff either, by the way. I'm not discounting this in any way. Uh, but could somebody just be front-loaded with information? Hey, so where we're going, this place is really creepy, man, and this is what happened here, and – 50 people hung themselves in this room and yeah, it's completely nuts. So you, you amp someone up, you get that anxiety going, you get that stress going. And when they get there, they're a ball of energy and perhaps what they're experiencing is a manifestation of their own mind. Follow what I'm saying? Something like that could happen. Yeah. It's like the placebo effect. Mm-hmm. You know, you go in and someone tells you that, and so it happens. Uh, take this pill, you're going to feel better, you feel better. In fact, that's another random statistic I can quote today that I read from somewhere I can't remember because I read that the placebo effect. New York effect, Times. New York <laughs> Times. I'll yeah. just say New York Times. New York Times. <laughs> New York Times. But the, that I read the placebo effect was increasing in the past few years in people and only in the United States. Now, granted, I don't know what kind of studies on the placebo effect are going on in Jamaica or the Netherlands or other countries. But for some reason, this suggested that it was on the rise in the U.S. And I don't know why that would be happening. I'm not quite sure on that one. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Well, I wonder how we did talk. We started talking about this pan, the, the pandemic, whatever we're called. Is there an actual COVID-19? The COVID-19 there, pandemic. Is there like a big, I, I, I've, I've really avoided watching any news here over the last couple of months. Uh, and I've tried my best to n- ignore anything on social media as far as all the stuff flying around. Because as we know, it's a mess. Um, I don't think there is some, like, is there a I real strong a, name? Yeah, I don't know if there's an official tagline. The pandemic. I, I don't know. I think it's just, yeah, the pandemic. The pandemic. That's what we'll call it. I don't know what we'll call it. We have to give it a few years before we go back. Like, you know, 9-11. COVID-19 chaos. The recession. And Y2K, like, I, we'll have to give it a little while before it gets a, a, a moniker. I just call it the cluster bleep. Well, or that. <laughs> Dump, dumpster <laughs> fire 2020. What's that, Chris? The apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've called it that also, too. Um, but, I mean, how could this, I mean, how could this change, how this could change ghost hunting, I guess. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Well, it, it, it's... On the short term, it's definitely changing ghost hunting. Oh, yeah. Number one, places aren't accessible like they used to be. But, you know, with with COVID-19 and how it operates with, you know, some people getting severely ill, but some people being simply asymptomatic and not demonstrating, you know, uh, symptoms, but still is a carrier, um, our ability to interact with clients uh, is greatly hampered, you know. We're going to be, we're much more considerate as far as do we actually spend time going to someone's home to help them with a paranormal situation? Yeah. And, you know, put them at risk, put us at risk of a, you know, a virus transmission um, so that they can get some type of relief or not. So, you know, it's much more communication and things by phone calls, by email, where we can than actually going to a premise and being hands-on and, and you know doing research and trying to, to help identify their their problem. Have you had to do a lot of phone consultations at this time? Um, we've seen a little bit of a dip. Uh, we've done yeah. more phone consultations than you know we normally do simply because you know we can't be as hands-on as we were before. Um it all comes with though with you know people's needs and you know sometimes a few weeks go by it can be absolutely quiet so it'll be interesting to see if there is an upswing maybe in the next year with people needing some type of paranormal um services advice investigation uh just because after we have like something awful happened like after the civil war after world war one two nine eleven there's always an upswing in paranormal interest because people yep. are looking for answers and they, yeah, well, people they get spiritual. They get spiritual and they're yeah. looking for answers. And, and so that kind of, they kind of go that direction. So, um, and I, and I know there was like a little upswing after, well, and I, well, nine 11, um, for certain. I mean, that's really when I even started getting into this and I don't, it's, I've always been interested since I was a little kid. It wasn't like, oh, something, yeah. the first catastrophic thing happened in my life, my generation. So I'm interested in ghosts suddenly. It wasn't like that. It just, 
for but it happened. It's just an, a group explosion, you know, like yeah, in well, the United States and all over. Nine eleven pulled it pulled a lot of people together. Yeah, and I, I, you know, when you get older, you get a bit more jaded. I think we both can agree on that, Chris. Um, and I want to yes. believe, <laughs> I want to believe that we as a society right now, just maybe in the United States, for example. I, I, from what I'm seeing, people are pulling together. People want to keep things moving forward. People want to keep working. They want to keep doing things. Um, so, and I like I like that feeling. I like that. And it's not much different from 9/11. People pulled together at that time too. Uh, but that does, yeah, like you said, Amber. Uh, people do, I think, turn to you know other thought. Well, like you said, <laughs> spirituality. Know. Spirituality, That's- sure. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, I and I've said that a lot on the show and the time we've been recording shows for the through this whole pandemic. And I keep telling people like, well, now you got some time to, to meditate. You got some time to maybe think about things to, to, to clear the mind a little bit. What are you? There's going to be a lot of books written. Like in the next like year or two, there's going to be a whole like slew books, of like books and babies. Yeah, well, books and babies. Yeah, because everyone's like, yes. well, you know, I can't go out and investigate, so maybe I better start working on that book I was I wanted to start. I, I kind of started one. I was like, okay, I got like thousand pages of research. Let's yeah. finally get something. But now I'm pregnant. Damn, I can't do anything. No, I'm not. Not you. God, no. not not you. No. Jesus. God, no. Congratulations, Scott. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, uh, no. but that was a short term. We talked about the, you mentioned the short term as far as the the field's concerned. What what do you see about the long term with this stuff, though? That's that's hard to predict unless yeah. you have a crystal ball. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, should we ask Mister Predicto? Oh God! <laughs> so seriously, no. I have Mister. Now you, now you did it, Chris. I have Mister Predicto in front of me, and we're, we're going to ask Mister Predicto. Um, <laughs> how do I word this in a way that this this thing can answer it? Um, uh, how the, will the future of paranormal investigation? How what, think of? Well, there would be. Well, the, what was that, Chris? Return to normal. Okay, whatever okay, that okay. Is. That's, that's a good one. one. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. one. Go okay, on. well, right. return to normal. Okay, here we go. Put it on the mic. It has been determined so. Oh, okay. Oh, wonderful. Yep. Mr. Predicto says so. Leonard Nimoy voice. <laughs> You're right. That is. <laughs> So, Holy crap. Yeah, okay. I guess it will return. Well, all things will return sort of to normal at some point. So I guess there is some logic in Mr. Predicto. Um, but it, it will be different for a short term because, like Chris mentioned, too, you can't just go into someone's house and then, like, what if I have allergies and I start coughing? And then they're like, ah! But then I'm actually a carrier of COVID. You know, it just, it's, yeah. there's yep. too many variables and what ifs. And so I think now well, is think the time yeah, to on, just sorry. sit and bunker down. And maybe if you've wanted to do some at-home tests or experiment with some new equipment, like maybe do some at-home EVP or ITC or start writing that book or getting your me- your ghost hunting memoir. Uh, you know, <laughs> like maybe now is the time to start doing that kind of stuff. And we could also see a, a surge of kind of cool, interesting, homegrown research done from people just opening up old books again and looking through stuff or just starting to like just think just think because we have a lot of time to think yeah um that's that's absolutely fantastic i hope it to be so i mean i i'd love to get back to things the way they were tomorrow but we don't know if we're going to be building up herd you know uh immunity or if this is recatchable we're still you know you know trying to figure out social distancing and everything else but if we can go back right now and work on some side projects perhaps uh you know order that home uh, eeg kit uh, <laughs> yeah. and start monitoring your brain waves yep. you laugh but it's out there it's you can, only 200 and, and some dollars um so i mean it's doable and, and if you're interested with a reference to what we were talking about earlier you can for about 650 dollars order yourself a god helmet that was through Michael Persinger's Only research. $650? Really? Yes, you can. It was like the only one sanctioned by Persinger. Uh, but Chris it is, is out yanking there. his credit card out right now. <laughs> it is out well, there. I, was, I, I had the parts to make my own that I started ordering last year. Uh-huh. So if I can just yep. buy the, the helmet yep. complete, that will save me some time. Right. Well, <laughs> and I, I, we, um, I know some people that have done kind of an upgrade to what – because they purchased the one from Persinger. And then they kind of started creating like their thing too. Like I don't know what they call them. Like the little nodes that send the signals to your brain. I don't know the term for that. But the they nodes started send signals to your brain. Yeah, I don't know what they're called. But they He's, they. <laughs> my understanding, he was using um, electromagnetic pulses. Yes. So. so something that does that. But then they just got like a standard um, like 
motorcycle hel- helmet and started mm-hmm. plugging these things on, which you'll, if you do look up the God helmet, you'll see a lot of people doing this with just regular motorcycle helmets um, and plugging these things in. And it's it's interesting to watch people have experiences with these and, and what comes of it. It's it's weird. And they say you feel kind of a little euphoric and strange for the next few days because you've just had your brain massaged a little bit by EMF, I guess. Scrambled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess it's not supposed to be harmful, but I'm always leery of that kind of stuff. I like, be, I'm going to have a stroke. I'm yeah. going to have a stroke. Say so I wouldn't be a frequent flyer on something no, like that. No, no. And I don't think anyone that has it will tell you like it's something you would use daily. It's just a you know maybe once a month type experiment and, yeah. and plan ahead for what you want to do or what type of little rabbit hole you want to go down or trip. But um, So, yeah, you could get a God helmet during this time. <laughs> I think I think the one – the fact is with this pandemic that's going on, though, is that we are – when and I say when things get back to normal in quotes, um, I think there, there there's no doubt that we're going to be coming out at the end of this thing very different people, uh, a very different society too, and I think yeah that's going to even apply to fringe thinking and stuff like that 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 we work on, uh, and yeah you're right Amber I think people will be gravitating towards this field some more, uh, and yeah I I hope for the long term that. People can still go and, you know, well, like yourself, Chris, you guys are still going to be able to go and do work at people's houses. I, it'd be a shame to see people not be able to, to apply this stuff and, and go out there and try to gather more data like we were talking about. Yeah. It's well, a, we certainly hope so. You know, we, we've, we've enjoyed our, our many years providing clients, you know, a, a service at the, the best that we can. And we, we like to think that we've helped a number of people doing it. So, um. It'll be unfortunate if if we don't be able or not able to continue that in some way long term. Yeah, yeah, and and there's a lot of ghost hunting crews out there that also give historical tours and they help bring in money for historical locations, which yeah, they can't are, be open yeah, right now. And it's it's everything. Um, it's you know, everything. You our, our buddy anything. Troy Taylor, all of his tours are totally shut down right now. Yeah. Um. So it kind of yep. hurts history in a little way, um, in a little ways which you wouldn't really maybe normally think of it that way that this is hurting, but. Um, Chris, I, I'm, I'm the last time you were on, I could have swore you had said that you were going on a Bigfoot camp camping excursion. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, how did that go? <laughs> could you tell us about that? <laughs> um, it was a lot of fun. Um, as you can tell from the, the massive news headlines, we did not find Bigfoot. Uh, we did realize, though, that his name is Sam, though, and he is live, living comfortably on the west side of the state near the oh. Sleeping Bear Sand Dunes. Oh, that's a nice spot. That's a good location. He picked well. Yes. So uh, we, we did go to an area that was reported to have a few Bigfoot sightings. Okay. Uh, we stayed in a, uh, a cabin uh, that was out in the woods, and we did several day and night hikings and tried an assortment of Bigfoot calls and... Um, more than anything, it turned out to be a wonderful way of doing team building uh-huh. uh, and, and really have some, some good quality time with the team um, and, and try something new and different and different aspects of you know the paranormal. Um, I'm hoping it's going to become an annual thing or maybe uh, you know a, a somewhat regular thing once things are back to the new norm. And uh, we can continue to, to try these type of, uh, you know, uh, interesting uh, excursions. Well, and that'd be a safer way to explore the paranormal. Go outside and do it. You know, like go find Bigfoot. Like maybe, you know, well, I don't know if Bigfoot can get COVID, but um, you're a little more safer out in the great wide open. So that's a kind of a cool thing for if, if hey, and cryptozoology has an upswing right now. Like people are really into monsters and strange creatures. I'm seeing a lot more books. In fact, in front of me, I have a book I just got, brand new, called Where the Footprints End, High Strangeness. You got a copy of the New York Times? No, it's not the New York Times. It's called Where the Footprints End, High Strangeness and the Bigfoot Phenomenon by uh, Joshua Kutchin and Timothy Renner. And uh, it kind of talks a lot about, uh, I think it's a lot of um, Bigfoot reports and folklore and other stuff, but... Um, I'm excited to kind of get involved in that because Bigfoot was always like the one thing that I was like, yeah, uh-uh. I'll look and I'll look at these ghosts and all this other cool stuff, but Bigfoot—that's stupid. And that's like, it seems to be an unidentified <sighs> hominid potentially living in the woods somewhere is so much more believable than an ethereal, uh, non-corporeal ghost 
uh, existing in a dimension that we don't even know. Well, it's more like, ta- it's more tangible. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah, I think it's more tangible. Um, in even even UFOs are are at least what our interpretation of what a UFO is is more tangible. And I mean, I'm not taking a shot, and I don't think you are either, Amber. As far as you know, people who do study ghosts, no, and not, like at all, not at I all, because I do. But it seems, but it, I found that over the years, I've been drawn to you know Bigfoot research or people going out and looking for Bigfoot, uh, and also UFO research. I've been drawn to that even more so at times, mm-hmm. uh, and that's been been a lot of study I've had. Yeah, go ahead. Chris, were the reports? About the Bigfoot scene over there by uh, Sleeping Bear, were they recent, older, uh, and what what did they see? What did they describe? Um, these were mainly found online. Uh, okay. They basically described, you know, seeing a large bipedal creature, you know, going through the area. Um, I think one just explained that there was large bipedal tracks. Okay. So, it, you know, we realized going down there, our chances of actually encountering something... Uh, even though one was recent, and I believe the uh, other two were not as much, was pretty made it pretty remote. Um, we still figured it was worth a chance, uh, you know, a chance, and worth an opportunity to start, you know, and, and learn about, you know, tracking techniques, um, you know, different calls and signs, and 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 just try some different things. Uh, we've been very fortunate. Uh, we've had, you know, at, at times some uh, people. Uh, you know that from the Bigfoot research organizations um, speak uh, to our group and and tell us some of the you know the the different facts and and figures that they've come to identify Bigfoot with. Yeah. So it was a good op- opportunity for us to kind of use some of those guidelines and and pointers to see what we could find. Have you guys done any UFO research excursions with Grimstone? Um, we have not. Mm-hmm. When we started Grimstone 24 years ago, we had one simple rule. We don't do aliens, they probe. Okay. <laughs> and uh, while members have changed, we really haven't uh, investigated UFO encounters. But we t- spent a lot of time, strangely enough, talking with you know people that uh, are part of the UFO community. Um, like Bill, which you're, yeah. you're oh, well aware yeah. of. Yep. Bill, yeah. And, What's really fascinating there is when they start talking about some of the things reported, you know, especially like alien encounters, it's like, well, we were like, if someone would have called us for the same amount of detail, we would totally think of it as a ghost encounter when something, you know, like a glowing light Mm -hmm. going through and observing the different parts of the house Mm -hmm. or, you know, some, uh, some type of apparition fading in into the room and and looking around and then disappearing and uh you know it's interesting that maybe some of this type of phenomenon actually overlaps each other yep that's the exact word i was just thinking in my head like i I, I think it overlaps a lot more than people um think and when you start researching all the different aspects you start seeing this this blurring of the edges where a UFO case could dip into a ghostly case yeah. or maybe even be both. Or I, I don't know. It's really, that's another aspect that we've talked about a lot on this show. I think in the past year is the these, glue. these, the glue or these, the inter, glue. these interconnections between the different well, um, breakdowns, yeah. the, the genres in the paranormal. Yeah. And I mean, Chris, going back to Bigfoot for a second, I mean, two years ago, if, Someone would have just two years ago. If someone would have said to me, "So we think Bigfoot may be this, uh, you know, this weird interdimensional creature that kind of fades in and out of our existence uh, randomly or whenever it wants to, it has control over space and time somehow, and it just kind of goes in and out of our existence and our line of sight, and that's why we really can't catch it." I would laugh him out of a room, which would be ignorant of me in the first place. But to me, that you know, if you're if your idea of what it would just be based on my what my idea of what a Sasquatch or Bigfoot is, it's not a UFO, not an alien or some type of interdimensional being. It's an animal we just can't seem to track down, right? Maybe, or or maybe, maybe. Or, I don't know, I don't know, right? Uh, but the more people I've talked to about this and heard this idea fleshed out, I'm like, well, you know, that might be an interesting idea. Maybe that's why we can't find. Bigfoot. <laughs> because or what if Bigfoot's just a really old tulpa that's been around for a long time? Okay. Goes in and out. I don't know. Yeah. 
I, I, if you take away the whole Bigfoot thing and, and just, you know, look at physics and string theory and, you know, all the people who are studying the, the universe, you know, have these concepts that there's not just one universe, but multiple universes and parallel dimensions and, you know, all these other worlds that we simply are a part of, but we can't see. Um, and they're often described like little bubbles and, um, you know, and a, and a drink just rippling up over time. And sometimes they bump into each other. Sometimes they intersect. So maybe Bigfoot's just using a few little soft spots where, <laughs> where we hit, hit those bumps, you know, together. I don't know. Um, you know, I think the universe is far more complex and, and greater than anything that we can conceive. Um, and yeah. eventually, I think, you know, there's we're going to come to a point where that science and and the, the cryptozoology and the UFOlogy and the paranormal uh, and those that, you know, look at ghosts suddenly realize that there is much more things in union uh, than, you know, that they're off on their own. Yeah. Well, I mean, just to, to to put that in perspective, too, if these are all forces of nature, let's just say, and I've, that's something I've been thinking about lately, too. Like, you know, is this just another force of nature? Is this something that's just part of our existence in, in this universe, let's say? I firmly believe that, you know, everything in the universe, everything on our planet here, it all relates to each other in some way. There's some type of glue there, right? It all is one big system to me. So carrying that over, it makes perfect sense that all this weird stuff that we're talking about, to me, I mean, I, I there's no way, there's nothing to argue about with it, but to me, I'm like, this just makes perfect sense. Like this stuff all does have to relate somehow, and maybe that's where the key is at to this thing is, you know, maybe not just finding out why we see people after they've left, they've transitioned, or why we see this this furry thing running around the woods, or why we see, you know, stuff in the sky. Maybe we want to really focus on what that glue is. Maybe that's the key to it, right? That's just my thought, though, and I'm certifiably nuts, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but that's just my idea. That was actually a maniacal laugh when I looked at you right now. <laughs> I just, you kind of got a weird look in your eye. Well, that's why we don't use that the camera thing for <laughs> Skype because I don't want to scare the guests away. You're getting hungry. Um, yeah, yeah, I am hungry. Hungry. <laughs> this, this is sort of deviating a little bit, but I, I love when I talk to people and our good friends like Chris who have, have ghost hunted and stuck with it for so long and have and they do take on these personal cases and at-home cases, which I commend anybody who does that because... I've encountered some loony people that just made me back right out of that whole segment of the paranormal investigation scene. Uh, Chris, do you, when your team, when you get a phone call and someone says, I got this going on, do you have some type of screening process that you've adapted over time to especially weed out anyone that particularly might need actual mental health help over paranormal help? Have you guys, oh, absolutely. What, what kind of like, what do you do? Um, well, there's a number of things that we do. Um, first of all, we've been very fortunate over the years that we've had um, a, a couple psychologists um, and and people who have studied psychology in, in the group. Um, we've also had, uh, and we currently have, someone within uh, um, the, uh, the, the, the police correctional uh, institutes who works with parolees and things as well. Uh, and you know, is able to tell, teach us things like how to read body language, how to interpret tones and so forth. And before we go to see anybody, uh, when there's an encounter, we spend a, a great deal of time with that individual on the phone, uh, doing um, a number of different background questions. Um, number one, to, to learn about what they're experiencing, but also trying to get some of the history of the location and the history of the individual. And, you know, there's certain things that we look for that, you know, are, are red flags that would indicate that we might, this this might not be on the up and up, or this might not be paranormal related. Um, and, you know, we, we try to, to screen those out. Um, a lot of times, you know, when, when there's things, especially some of these hot topic areas where people feel like they're... Um, possessed yeah. or 
have demonic type activities yeah. or very harsh or negative, extremely strong things that, that come out. Um, you know, we, we often encourage these individuals, you know, not saying that we don't work with them, but also to talk with psychologists or a therapist, you know, because these type of things can be extremely stressful if they are legitimate. And if there's something else, we also want them to get the help that they need. So we try to encourage that type of behavior, um, that type of contact. We often try to encourage people to have medical exams if there's been uh, physical, you know, scratching or, or cuts or, or, or other things that have been extremely hard on their, their bodies um, so that we start pulling in, you know, other people with, who are trained in the medical fields to start looking at, at the situation. Um, if everything seems okay, even, you know, on, on that phone consultation, uh, we don't immediately jump into an investigation. Uh, we often perform what we call a site survey okay. in which we use a smaller number of people uh, to, to visit the property, gain more information, conduct interviews uh, in greater detail. Uh, but we're not taking that time to set up a ton of equipment. We're not taking that time uh, to put a lot of um, more items and people at risk. We, we want to keep that to a, a, a minimum uh, but obviously, uh, never an individual just doing this. So um, when we do home cases, we, we never operate on an individual level. We always make sure that people are partnered up. Uh, when we do get to that investigation, we're extremely thorough with our video and audio type surveillance, both to catch things paranormal, but also to uh, to play documentation for, for us as, uh, as individuals and keep us safe. Um, we train all our members, which come um, in, into our organization, with special safe words that if there is some type of issue on site at any time, uh, that we can provide a, you know, they can provide a coded message to us that instantly notifies us that there is some type of risk or danger and that we need to act in a certain way, such as, you know, pulling a as people aside for private conversations, we have safe words for just leave everything and get out of this property. No <laughs> questions as is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because unfortunately not everyone has a paranormal concern and not everyone's on the up and up. And we've been, we've had uh, situations where we've bumped into nefarious things that were unfortunately more living than from the yeah. great beyond. That's why I've always told people, I'm like, there's more to fear from the living than the dead. Yeah. Especially when you're going into uh, There's anything I've learned homes. from this field, it's that. Um, but I know I thought of that cr uh, question also, Chris, because I thought just it, when it, given what we were talking about earlier with maybe there being a surge in paranormal interest or maybe even people wondering if their homes are haunted during this pandemic and however long this lasts. It's just, and of course, mental health comes into question right now because people are under a lot of stress, like we said. Yep. Um, there's PTSD, I know, with a lot of our healthcare pro um, providers right now. That's been talked about time and time again. Um, I have, uh, like, I know some friends of our friends that work in the, they're nurses, and they can't sleep at night, and they're having dreams about their patients dying. Um, and so, like, that kind of stuff just, you know, it can all play in. So it just, I don't know, there's such a, it's so important to, to have that, clean bill of health i think sometimes when you yeah. are talking about the paranormal because they can kind of be also a blurred territory um if someone is experiencing something that's unfortunately caused biologically and not something you know paranormal. otherworldly yeah otherworldly yeah yeah a absolutely and and no one today i think has been able to dis to scathe um you know some stress from this whole situation um i just to give an example, you know, grocery shopping, mm. <laughs> you know, with even with masks and everything that's going on and social distancing and lines in the aisles, um, just going out to the grocery store, having a, a list in front of me of exactly what I need, knowing exactly what aisles everything is down. Yeah, uh, I still found that I had to backtrack because, you know, I missed something here or there. Simply because I was so focused on 
making sure that the person, you know, that's also in this aisle is appropriately away from me. You know, which items here could possibly be content- contaminated? Should I reach for the something that's in the front or should yeah. I reach around for something in the back might be safer? That, you know, you know, the, the stresses there cause us to, to not be as efficient or not see things as quickly or properly as we should. And, you know, it affects everyone's life here. So that's a big gonna, one. You're it's going to skew our, our, our perceptions, even on the paranormal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's a big one. I think, Chris, you're right. Is the grocery shopping thing. Um, I think we've been, I, I can honestly say we've probably been out maybe not even a dozen times in the last two months. Scott's done the grocery shopping. I have ordered online. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, it is something I've done the exact same thing you've done, Chris. I mean, I have I, I plan I plan it out like a surgeon, knowing it where everything's at, and I've screwed up a couple of times. I'm like, oh my god, I can't forget I, I forgot something. Like you kept forgetting cheese spread. We're in a <laughs> pandemic, and you kept forgetting the cheese spread. You can't forget the comfort food, Scott. Yeah. It's like the that is like the classic. <laughs> textbook definition of first world problem right there chris thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us man really appreciate it. it's always a pleasure it's too bad we can't be in the same room I right know. now normally we would be normally we'd have you here at the studio but we want to talk to you anyways it's been a while and i'm glad we could spend some time here together and catch up always happy to be talking with you too ghostly talk <laughs>